Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. A little bit late getting started. It's 10 after, but that's because we gave away another qualifier for our cash and cruise giveaway. It's, I can't reach it now, but uh, qualified Kent. Thank you, Kent, for calling in. Had two qualifiers today. Uh, actually gave away another cash cabin today. So we have two. Ken didn't get one, but earlier in the in the program today. So we have given away two of the five cash cabins. We've given away six now qualifiers to win a $1,500 cruise voucher to go, well, anywhere in the world if you want to. Uh, brought to you by Morris Columbus Travel, also the Larkin Group, State Bank of Southern Utah, and, of course, uh, KDXU. Some pretty cool stuff. Uh, Steve, sorry you can't win the cruise. That and, is uh, all right. You know, I, I'm always excited to see people win, so that was fun to watch. <laughs> Kent call in and uh, flashback for me. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Dave Sterling now is on the phone line with us from the Washington County School Board. Dave, how are you? Good this morning. How are you folks doing? I'm doing Steve great. Andy. Yeah, we're, we're talking school. Yeah, we're talking schools today with Steve Dunham here in studio and Dave via the telephone. Dave lives, you're on Hurricane, right? Correct. Shop yeah. here in beautiful Hurricane. Yeah, which uh, everyone... Calm, calm and beautiful Hurricane, I might add. Everyone tells me Hurricane will be the second biggest town in the county in the next uh, 10 years and may approach the size of St. George someday. That's what I'm hearing. So I don't know if that's true or not, Dave. But uh, It is growing like crazy. You just... Every every time you go down the street, something new's happening. So it's true; it's amazing. Well, and the and the breadth, of the the size geographically of Hurricane, there is room to grow. St. George has a limited amount of space it can fill up, but uh, Hurricane, man, you guys have the that whole west side there, and uh, you know the San Hollow area, and there's a lot of room to grow out in H Town. It's a vast metropolis. That's for sure. We got a lot of lot of land. I would surmise before too long we'll have another high school or two out in Hurricane eventually. Another uh, what do they call them? Uh, uh, a feeder, a cone site. Cone site. Cone site. That's cone what I was site. looking for. Yep. Yeah, cone site. So, any, any have you, are there any plans for another high school being built out there at the moment? Well, we are always looking for um, potential school sites, mm-hmm. and there are some some potential possibilities that are. In the future, um, I think, you know, and it's hard always to look in the crystal ball, but I would think probably in the next decade hmm. we'll, be, we'll be looking for probably a new high school. Our high school right now has around 1,100 students, I believe, somewhere in that area. The school is designed to fit 1,500. We grow a couple hundred, I don't know, a couple hundred, a hundred a year probably. Um, we've increased kind of the footprint of the school. We've bought some property around for some expansion. Mm. Our idea is to not build a high school until we need it because of the immense costs associated with yeah. high school. But um, probably, I'd say 10 years, Andy, if, if I was to predict, I would think we'd be looking at probably something like that. And, yes, there are some sites hmm. in the in the uh, valley that we've identified like like Sand Hollow High School, maybe eventually. Probably, yeah, that's <laughs> that makes a lot of sense right there. Dixie Springs High School, I guess, or Ooh. something like that. How about the Sand Hollow Sand Hollow Horseman? 
or something like that. How about the how about the drifters? Because <laughs> sand drifts in. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> the sand hollow dust devils. There, there you go. That works too. Yeah. I guess we're a little premature in our speculating, but it sounds like so, might yeah. might be a little fun anyway to think about uh, down For the road. Sure. Who saw Crimson Cliff's Mustangs, right? I didn't see that coming, especially when they... I don't know if this is true. The rumor out there was that originally Crimson Cliffs had selected navy and silver or something, and, and they have crimson in their name. And so everybody's like, why in the... You know, and I don't know. Is, that, is there any truth to that story, you guys? That they had, had selected colors that weren't crimson in their original color scheme? I, I hadn't heard that, David. You? I... I frankly can't remember that i mean it would make very little sense that if you're if you had a color in your title of your name or your school that you wouldn't use that as yeah. part of your color scheme so i like their I mascot. Know, it's, a, it's a great rumor i like sure. their mascot though mustangs mustangs mm-hmm. is cool i actually have a mustang in my garage right now so it's a car though not a school <laughs> yeah, that's or right. a person so. it's a horse right a spirited yeah. energetic exactly horse, right exactly well, we're here, obviously, to talk Washington County Schools. Thanks again to Dave and Steve uh, for uh, being a part of the show. Uh, a couple of topics we wanted to get into, and, and I thought maybe right off the bat, because uh, we've got a good friend, uh, Teresa Willie is part of Southwest Behavioral Center, and there's a real push right now. They've got a program going called Live on Utah, and it, it's uh, suicide prevention awareness, or just suicide awareness, the fact that uh, so long in our communities, it's been taboo to even say the word suicide. You know, you say, oh, well, I just caused someone to kill themselves because I said the word. That, that's not the truth. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If you can get people talking about it, you'll actually find that you might might be able to help prevent it or help someone who maybe feels alone or has nowhere to turn that they do actually have somewhere to turn. And so I wanted to get you guys' take on young people. And by the way, the biggest demographic in America for suicide is males age 40 to 49. I don't know if a lot of folks know that, but it's actually older guys who maybe felt like they're not, life's not turning out like they thought it would. They're the ones that are at biggest risk. But that being said, young people may be the biggest tragedy when it comes to uh, to killing killing themselves to suicide, uh, and unfortunately, it happens, and it happens all too often. Maybe we'll start with Steve a little bit. Can you address how common that is? I, I was telling you before we went on the air, as my kids went through high school here in in Washington County School District, each one of my kids knew at least one other person who had either attempted or committed suicide during during their time in high school, which is a sobering thought. It really is, and it's tragic when you consider that the, these children have these the, these events that hit them, and it hit them. They hit them so hard mm-hmm. that they feel like they need to do this, and, and, and sometimes there are things that are so minor in comparison. But but these kids see it as such a traumatic life event. It's my whole world, yeah. That if they cannot get through the next 15 minutes or so and i think that's what the 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 uh, the profi- professional state is if you can get the child through the next 15 minutes after sure. that event yeah. they'll calm down and and recognize and be able to put it into perspective but for that 15 minutes they are having a very traumatic experience and they will make some very rash decisions and, and unfortunately you're right we have had too many of those in our communities um we we've had some years where it's been just downright awful i I mean this is something that i get passionate about and i get emotional about because i hate to see a child 
hit that uh, that point in their life where they feel like there is nothing worth going on. And, and, and I, I want to say there is always help out there. There's always reason to continue on. We want you here. We need you here. And our community needs you. One of the things, uh, the statistics out there is, uh, I don't know, you guys probably know this, I'm a big gun proponent, I think I think uh, we should all be armed and, and take care of our, ourselves, but not make those firearms readily available. Uh, as you mentioned, Steve, the first 15 minutes are so key. Now, if, if the kid knows they can walk into mom and dad's bedroom and there's a gun in a drawer, that's the, that falls within easily the 15-minute window, and it makes it to a situation where it's so much more dangerous. I believe, you know, as much as I love guns, they need to be locked up. It needs to be not accessible to just anyone. Uh, and, and so for me, a simple thing as putting a trigger lock on or having a little mini safe to put your guns in will save lives. I really believe that. I think that's completely accurate. You just need to have them secure. Mm-hmm. It's just about smart stewardship of owning a gun. And, and then we're, everybody's safer that way. The other thing we really promote is with friends. If you know your friend is going through a hard or very traumatic or experience, talk to them. Talk to them. Spend 10 minutes and talk to them, please. That's one of the things we counsel is just talk to them. That 10 minutes, you can save a life by spending 10 minutes of your time helping a pal, a friend, a classmate who is going through a real traumatic or horrible or just miserable time. That 10 minutes can make such a huge difference. About 10 years ago, there was a song about a, a, a guy who, whose friend had committed suicide, and one of the lit lines in the song was, if I had only known how to save a life. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, we all know how to save a life. And that's like what you just said. Be there. Talk to them. Be, make yourself available. Uh, I think every one of us at one point in our lives have felt alone or, or like nobody cared or nobody understood or nobody felt what I'm feeling. But uh, truth of the matter is, uh, there's probably a really good chance somebody's gone through exactly what what it is you're going through right now. You know, you're exactly right. And I was just looking on my phone because I have have the Safe Utah app on my phone. And that's one thing we encourage all of our students to download to their phones. We encourage parents to get it. We encourage students to get it because the Safe Utah app is a resource that's funded by the state. It's through the University of Utah. It has professionals on the other line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. And they are there to help. They're there to talk. And they are there while you're talking or you're giving a tip, whether it's for suicide or a threat you've heard about or whatever it is, they are also getting resources in your community to get you help or to get you somewhere safe or whatever it might be. That Safe Utah app is a vital, vital key. And it's simply the Safe UT app. And anybody can find it. Anybody can download it. It's free. And this is a significant resource that has helped us for tips when children are feeling that way. When the students message in and say, hey, hey, I'm feeling down. And once they reach out to the Safe Utah app, it triggers a, a, a domino effect of resources that can come into play to help save that child's life. And something to keep in mind, you know, uh, mental uh, disorders are not... You know, you know, something like suicide, it's never going to go away completely. It, it's just not. It's not exactly. like, I think eventually we will have a cure for cancer. I think eventually we will have a cure for Alzheimer's and some of the more serious disease, heart disease uh, in our lives. I don't know that we'll ever have a cure for suicide, but we're trying very hard to make people understand that they aren't alone, that, that whatever they're going through, probably someone else has gone through it and, and can help and can relate. One of the things out there is a suicide hotline. Right now it's 1-800-273-TALK. 
but they are also introducing very soon they'll have a suicide, much like 911 if you have an emergency. I think it's, is it going to be 811 or 822 or something oh, like I that? Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, they are very close to getting that ready to go. And I know uh, uh, Congressman Stewart was, was really big behind that and getting that ready to go. And I think within the next few months, that'll be, uh, that'll be operative as well. You know, and one of the other resources that our board has really put into play, and Dave, maybe you can speak about this a bit. Um, they have allocated some additional funds so we can increase the number of counselors we have available in all of our schools, even at the elementary level. Yeah, on the state level, um, there's been a real push to, for funding and also certainly on the local board level. We wanted to make sure we had funding to give counselors, you know, resources in the local schools that can help, you know, with solve some of those problems. I, I was pondering and thinking about some of the things that we have done on the local level in the Washington County School District. And there's been a number of things over the past few years that we've implemented I think have been very successful. One of the things that we do, uh, we have what we call wellness rooms in the schools. And when kids are having challenges or having maybe um, anxiety, depression, other um, mental health issues, we have these these rooms in the schools where people, where these kids can go in and get resources to help them through maybe the next 15 minutes as Steve has talked about. And every school, I believe, Steve, has a wellness room where we address those emotional, maybe mental health issues. The other thing the district is is keen on and, and very interested in is teaching resilience. And um, the more we teach resilience and help these, these students learn these social and emotional skills and resilience, the better they are going to be able to handle those moments or those challenges, those mental health challenges in their lives that, that cause some of these unfortunate accidents. So it's something that we discuss is something that we are, we're putting resources into to try to, to come up with solutions to help students um, have the tools to overcome and help them through some of these challenges. So, um, it's something we're aware of. We talk about it. Um, we uh, certainly put resources into into making these uh, these programs available for our schools and our students. So, it, it, good, good topic for sure. And the, the, the stigma needs to be taken away. Uh, it happens to good LDS families. It happens in good Catholic families. It, it happens Everywhere. in non-religious families. It happens in every walk of society. By the way, I looked it up. The new hotline, uh, the new suicide prevention lifeline is 988. So that's going to be just a quick three-digit if you're having uh, those kinds of thoughts. Maybe, like you said, the first 15 minutes or even beyond that, you can call 988. That starts in July, the middle of July. In fact, we're going to have a special deal on on the program here, and Chris Stewart's going to join me on the air in the launching of the suicide hotline, 988. Not active yet, but it will be very shortly, uh, the suicide prevention lifeline. Uh, And that'll be nationwide, 988. You can dial anywhere in the country. You can dial 988 and get a hold of an expert, uh, uh, someone who's spent their life learning and, and trying to help people who are having some uh, mental and emotional struggles. Uh, what are some of the policies that you, Dave obviously talked about them a little bit, but Steve, what are some of the, when, 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 when it happened, we, of course, prevention, we want to stop it. That's obviously the priority. But what if something happens? What if a, a 10th grader chooses to, to end that person's own life? What does the school district do? How do you react? What, what happens at that point? 
Well, we immediately activate what we call our crisis response team, mm-hmm. and we get them out to uh, the school where that student was, and also if that student has siblings in the district <clears throat> and maybe other schools, they will also branch out and hit those other schools. We want to make sure that we can um, immediately have contact with those that might be feeling the pain of that loss, mm-hmm. um, those that might be surprised, shocked, traumatized, by this so that they can have somebody to talk to, somebody to get their feelings out with, and we'll even reach out to the families to, to support the family of that 10th that grader that we may have lost. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll support them as well. We're really trying to flood that local community with additional resources and additional support so they know, hey, this is not the option you want. There are other things to do. And again, Dave talks about resilience. We, we need to help build up that resilience with these kids to realize, no, that, that isn't the pathway that anybody needs to follow. Anybody needs to go down. We need to become stronger. We need to be able to, to cope with these hard moments and know that they're going to pass. Yeah. And that's the key is these things will pass. These things will get smaller and insignificant in life, and you'll be stronger for it and, and more resilient and more, more able to cope. But we need to get them through those moments by flooding them with, with our crisis response team. And a good friend tell me once, uh, suicide, unfortunately, is a permanent problem to a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Exactly uh, right. I'm going to tell you guys a little story. When I was in high school, uh, senior year, uh, three kids decided that they made a suicide pact. They were going to kill themselves one night. And uh, maybe I've told this story before, but uh, the night in question, nobody else knew about it, but the, the night that it was to happen, the one kid tried and succeeded. Second kid tried and did not succeed. And the third kid uh, just decided not to do it after all. Uh, the next day in school was a very interesting one. And we didn't have then the resources that you have now. There was no crisis response team. There was no, it, w- it was really strange because nobody talked about it. And that's, and that's one of the things in talking to Teresa Willie about this is, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you'd ask someone if they knew anybody who'd committed suicide, you'd say no, not because you didn't, but because you didn't want to admit, you know, the stigma of it was, was really bad. But I remember going to a, it was actually a, a church seminary class. And one of the, one of the, the teacher of the class was, was just going on and on about how evil this act was and how terrible it was. And uh, toward the end of the class, he said, anybody have a problem with what I've been saying? Uh, please raise your hand. I was sitting on the back row. I raised my hand. And uh, he said, all right, will you see me after class? So I went after class into his office. And he said, so did you know this person? And I said, no, just just an acquaintance. He said, well, why did you have a problem with what I was saying? And I, I, was, I said simply, the guy just died. I think you ought to leave him alone. And he was kind of taken aback, and I think it was a lesson uh, learned for me, but also for that teacher this time. And I know his goal. His goal was to, suicide is not the solution. I want to stop everybody from doing it. But at the same time, I I don't think he was being very sensitive to what happens. And, And maybe that's something, Steve and Dave, that we can keep in mind, too, is, Obviously, something happened in this young person's life to trigger this. Mm-hmm. And if it's already done, obviously we want to stop it. But if it's already done, you know, maybe we need to be pretty sensitive to, to the fact that it happened and then learn from it, learn why it happened. Exactly right. Well, you, you bring up a good point. Earlier you said, you know, talking about it is kind of part of the prevention. And, you know, the stigma of discussing it for some reason, I don't know why that is, but as we talk about it more, and, and, and I firmly believe that education and information is the key, and, and discussing it, not only in, 
in the schools, but in their home and other places. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the potential ramifications of this, and just educate our youth. And then, again, provide as many resources as we possibly can to help teach resilience, to help teach social, emotional learning, the ability to handle any of these mental health challenges or any other challenges these these, uh, students are going through, I think, is is a key. And we just continue to push educating and helping these students learn and, and find that there's just other solutions for some of these challenges and problems that they have. You know, it, it's interesting. Kids kids nowadays grow up on social media, and they see all these lives that look perfect, and yet they, they don't realize <laughs> that that is a false narrative. Yeah. Nobody's life is perfect, no. and, and, and it's not what you see on Instagram or, or where, wherever you're looking. It's not that way. Everybody's going through something hard. Everybody's going through mm-hmm. their own trial. And so they see this on Instagram and think, when my life isn't going that way, I'm doing something wrong. I need to do something drastic to change this. Yeah. And, and they need to realize, no, it, it's not a perfect life. That's a false narrative that is out there on social media. And I get so frustrated when my <laughs> I see that in my own children. I'm like, hey, hey, that's fake. They went to Hawaii, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and in the meantime, they yeah. fought with their sibling. They fought with their parents. They argued over this. They didn't like dinner. And all these other things are still the same, just like in your life. And that's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay to have a down moment. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to be physically or emotionally exhausted and it's okay to need to take a mental break from things and unwind because that's important too and, and it doesn't make you soft it doesn't make you no. a wimp it doesn't make you a loser if you need to step back a little bit and 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 learn and and i i really appreciate that you guys have both talked about uh, the coping tools mm-hmm. because i think at 14 13 14 15 even up to 18 or 20 the coping mechanism isn't necessarily always there. And so if we can teach that and, and teach them how to, to deal with some of this stuff, that, that's huge. You, you know, as I was a teenager, my biggest coping mechanism was a drive. I would hop in my Jeep and really? I would drive. And, and I loved it, the therapy of just feeling uh, the freedom of being in my own car, listening mm-hmm. to my own tunes, and driving. And and even today, I, I would love a road trip alone. You know, I have a family and all these things. I can't do that. And yet it's still therapeutic for me when I have to travel for business. I'll get in, I'll put on some tunes, and I'll drive. And, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's peaceful for me. Same music as way back when? Oh, yeah, the big hair bands. <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella, huh? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Steve, you dream of the big, you listen to the big hair bands and dream that you had big hair. That too. I had big hair. That's true. It's all bald now. Or, or any hair. Yeah. Or any hair. <laughs> all right. We've got to get a commercial break in. Again, I, uh, we're talking with uh, Steve Dunham and Dave Sterling from Washington County School District just about some of the coping mechanisms and, and trying to help our young people in particular understand that uh, you don't need a permanent solution to a temporary problem. We've got to get a commercial break in. We'll check in with weather. More from Steve and Dave after this. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back, Andy Griffin with you, Steve Dunham and Dave Sterling also with me. Dave's on the phone. Steve's right in front of me wearing a green check shirt. <laughs> I, I hate like this it. shirt too. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, it's a nice shirt. So, oh, thank you. That's kind of you. That's I had a guy on last week, and I'm not going to say who he is because uh, I, that would be very bad form, but ugliest shirt I've ever seen in my life. 
And it wasn't me. So you can say that next week about me. No, no. (laughs) This was truly ugly. Your shirt is 100 times. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I was going to talk about, oh, yesterday uh, I went off a little bit. I had a little 10-minute segment yesterday uh, talking about a teacher uh, in Lehigh, so in the state of Utah, mm-hmm. just just up north here, a little further, uh, who uh, did made some videos on TikTok about her being queer and about her embracing uh, uh, students, and they would come to her secretly and they would talk gender identity and gender issues and stuff. And uh, I, I want kind of as I have the school district here with me today, Dave and Steve. I, I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Now I'm not naive enough to think that teachers. The best teachers show personality. In their te- I mean, one of my favorite teachers of all time, Mr. Johns, taught history. And Mr. Johns taught history, but he, he brought in personality and, and, and stories. And to me, I mean, here I am talking about him. This was like in 1983, you know. Mm-hmm. So here I am talking about him uh, 30 years later, 40 years later. I wish it was 30. I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, but so I, I understand that teachers need to bring in personality. And part of that personality is personal beliefs and personal values. But I just felt like this teacher up in Lehigh had really crossed the line in making TikTok videos about gender identity and stuff like that. Is that an issue? issue in Washington County. Do you have at times maybe teachers overstepping their bounds? I think at times there's a, the chance of that happening. And yet mm-hmm. when we're notified about it, we try to take action, appropriate action, so that we can rein that in. Like you said, there is a boundary that shouldn't be overstepped. Yeah. And our, our, our process is to educate and train. And if we need to go further than that, we'll go further than that. Um, but, but you're right. I think it does happen everywhere. You can't say it's like bullying. You can't say it, it doesn't happen in your schools, but the goal is to train, set the boundaries. So people understand what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. And you move forward and you follow a process and a plan of resolving it. If it happens, any thoughts on this from the school school board, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. We, we uh, try to, um, mitigate potential problems through policy. Yes. I mean, that's that's what we do. And, and there are policies in place that every teacher and every employee of Washington County School District reads and hopefully understands and is, um, you know, mandated to follow. And so when those policies are broken, there are consequences for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we, we don't want to stifle creativity and thought and innovation and whatever helps the teacher educate our children. But there are policies on appropriate material and thought and ideology that we do not want taught in the Washington County School District. Consequently, we have enacted policies that would prohibit some of those thoughts and ideologies to be taught. Um, There are opportunities for all People here in Washington County School District, we, we want everyone to feel accepted and welcome, and we want thought and creativity. But, again, we're policy-driven. The policies are here to protect not only the students of Washington County, but the teachers and those who are employed by the, by the district. Now, um, and we can use extreme examples like that. But, I mean, we, we are going to teach the community values, and that is going to be what's accepted as curriculum in the Washington County School District in its classes. Very rarely is it blatant uh, defying of those policies, but there are probably more more often than not 
a lot of people that kind of skirt the policy, a lot of people that maybe, you know, teachers that maybe step over slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Does the district get involved whatsoever in those or, or maybe maybe you don't even hear about them, but they're perhaps going on, Steve? No, there are times that we will hear about them. And that those are the times that we will quickly step in and clarify what expectations are. Hmm. When, once we've clearly defined expectations, we can then take further steps if needed, or you can... Uh, uh, what's the word, observe and see if the training you've provided is being followed. And if the training you've provided is being followed and you have a good educator that, like you said, is bringing in the personality, is bringing in that engagement that you want, perfect, no problem. Mm -hmm. But if it's not being followed and it's going too far again, getting into those gray areas, yeah, then we need to to look at the further steps, whether it be um, written communication, whether it be uh, even further. Can you quantify the number of, to me, a big part of what we're talking about that we haven't said yet is parental involvement. Uh, Steve, how involved are parents nowadays? If I went to an average high school, let's say right here in town, I go over to Dixie High School, and uh, Dixie has, what, about 1,000 students maybe? 1,300. 1,300 students. Uh, the, the level of parent involvement with the 1,300 students, as I know, is scalable. Uh, how many of those 1,300 students would you say the parents are zero involved? They don't – all they're using is school as a babysitter. I would say more than 50%. Wow. Wow. But that that's just an estimation. Mm-hmm. The, the flip side is, is we have a lot of parents that uh, might be involved, but then they uh, – well, let me say it this way. If we know about an issue, we will take action and we will correct it. But we're not out on social media. So we'll have many parents that will hear about something, and the first thing they do is they go and write a scathing Facebook post <laughs> or, or this, yeah. and we're like – we're not mon- know. we're not monitoring all of those yeah. and sometimes we don't find out until it's turned into this huge weather storm out there this huge huge cyclone of a nightmare and we're like hey if you would have told us we would have resolved this you know way ago. back yeah. went over but but they want to vent because everybody wants the court of public opinion on their side mm-hmm. And, and, and I tell people all the time, we don't monitor social media like that. We, if some ca- accounts are private. We, we're just not going to see it. So you need to tell us. You need to contact your principal. You need to contact the district. If we know about an issue in a school, we will step in immediately. We will take action and we'll correct it. Thoughts, Dave? One of the, uh, one of the things, and, and you, you asked this question, how many parents are involved? And I think, I think that your listeners need to understand that the Washington County School District and each and every school not only welcomes parent involvement, but we encourage parental involvement. So um, those 50 or more than 50 percent, that perhaps for some reason maybe both parents are working or whatever, or they just whatever the situation is in their family, um, we want parents to be involved. As a school board member in the hurricane area, I have um, a number of parents who continually um, want want answers to questions, want to make a difference in their students' education, and approach me on a fairly regular basis. And, and I, I love that parents are involved, that care about what's happening in the Washington County School District. So to your listeners, the Washington County School District wants parents involved, and we will do whatever we can to help 
parents feel like they are part of this educational process for their children. It's it is vital, and and statistically, you can you can see um, the effects of parental involvement in the success of the child's education versus those who have no parent, parent or guardian or anyone that shows interest in their education. So, again, we want parents involved. We want them to be a part of, of this process. And we also understand that in this economy, a lot of times both parents need to work, yeah. but grandparents can get involved as well. We have a lot of grandparent volunteers in our elementary schools, and the kids love them absolutely adore them and and those grandparents have so much wisdom and so much expertise that they can provide to these children as they're learning as they're growing sometimes it's it's a warm embrace sometimes it's just reading with them for a few minutes there is so much that can be done by anybody whether you're a parent a grandparent we understand we understand that it's hard especially in this economy where you need to work you need to be be able to provide for your family and, and you can't do it but but we want to provide as many opportunities as we can. I uh, we used to joke around that I went to kindergarten, first grade, and second grade th- uh, six times because I went once for myself, and then I went and read to the kids uh, all three of those grades. And uh, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying this to tell you that it was a rewarding experience for me, and mm-hmm. I think I helped the kids, but. Uh, I know that for me personally, it was an amazing experience getting to know these little kids and, and helping them just sound out a word or, or something as basic as that. So, uh, and, and I think I, I was fortunate I had a job nights and weekends. I was able to do that. Now I couldn't, couldn't go in the mornings because of my current job. But uh, parental involvement, if you want your kid to succeed, and I'm just gonna, I'm saying something that representing Steve and Dave too. If you want your kid to be successful in life or in school, you'll get involved. You'll be there. And study after study will verify that 100%. Yep. Yep. All right, we'll get another commercial break in. Dave and Steve with me talking Washington County Schools. We'll be back in, uh, looks like, uh, less than two minutes. Welcome back. Andy Griffin with you. We're talking schools today with Steve Dunham and Dave Sterling. Dave and I were old neighbors years ago. Yep. Now, now we're just old, Dave. Yeah, now we're just old. <laughs> yeah, we're just, yeah, now we're old, right? <laughs> Hey, we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, famously, of course, Fahrenheit 451, the burning of the books, the burning, uh, the Nazis burned books back in, you know, in World War II. And so, you know, burning books is bad and banning books is evil. Maybe, Steve, you want to talk a little bit about some of the policies that are being put in place when it comes to books. You, you know, we had a great discussion with the board, with, with the community, about our new policy we're putting into place. It's policy 4211, 4211, okay. and it is about our, our library media policy. This is a policy that we have literally spent weeks working on with um, the state attorney general's office, mm-hmm. with local elected officials, in cooperation with some of the legislative laws that have just come into play, as well as um, how to properly protect students from inappropriate materials. The goal in the end is we need to protect students. We want to protect students. Mm-hmm. And and I think a, a lot of times parents look at it from a, a perspective that they've seen on social media or in the news that, hey, schools just want to indoctrinate our kids. No, that's not how it is here in Washington <laughs> County. We want to protect children. This policy is completely about protecting children, and this policy is going to provide us the means to do it where we can do it in accordance with the law. It can be legally defensible, and if needed, 
we'll go as high as we need to with this. But we needed to get this policy in place first because from from our conversations with the Attorney General's office and our own legal counsel, we our policy didn't provide for that before. Can can you summarize the policy in a, in a nutshell for us? Exactly, not exactly, but about what we're talking. Dave, can you help out there? <laughs> sure. Um, before I do, I will I will say, and this was said last night in our meeting. This policy is designed not only to remove inappropriate and offensive books from the shelves, but the policy, more importantly, is designed to keep those books from coming back. And that's that's what we're trying to accomplish. We're going to be um, litigated. There's probably no question because you've got to deal with the First Amendment and free speech and all these things. But we want something that will protect the students for the long run, not just a short-term fix because it seems to be the topic du jour. We want something in there that's going to protect protect the students from here on out. The policy, basically we are going to establish a committee that will be made up of parents, administrators, teachers, and librarians. A book will be challenged if it has offensive material. It will be sent to this committee. The committee will review it. They will make that determination whether the book needs to be removed or it can stay. Um, and upon that determination, the book, again, is, is taken out or it will stay depending on the material that is reviewed by this committee. The book can be challenged by anyone, by a student, by a parent. Anybody that has a problem with a particular book or the material in the book can issue a challenge. That book will be reviewed by this committee. And, again, that determination will be made. Um, and, again, Steve said uh, this, this policy has been crafted and designed by legal experts, the Attorney General's office, we have our own in-house counsel. Um, we've done our best to to help bring this policy in place where we can keep offensive material out of libraries and age-appropriate offensive material as well. So I don't know, Steve, kind of fill in the gaps maybe on that explanation because I'm trying to do it quickly, but maybe you can add a little bit to it. I think the key thing to keep in mind is that we know that there is probably going to be litigation over this because it is the topic du jour, as Dave said, um, and there are some books that are inappropriate in our libraries and we need to remove them, but it's not as easy as just taking them out. And so we needed a process that was legally defensible and smart so we're not wasting taxpayer money by saying, yeah, fight us, fight us, we don't care, and then losing we needed to be able to say, yeah, fight us, fight us, and we're going to win because we have a process in place that has been vetted and approved by the experts that can get us through this. We're, we don't want to lose this war. Are there specific triggers in the policy that say if a book says this or does this, it's automatically out, or is it not quite that simple? It's not quite that simple, no. And it does have to go through a review process, like Dave mentioned, with a committee that is approved uh, of all these individuals he mentioned, including parents, including a counselor, including a librarian and an administrator, so mm-hmm. that we have the people on the committee that can review it and, and, and say, is it truly offensive? Is it somebody taking elements out of context? Are, are, we, are we throwing away some great conceptual ideas, some cultural ideas, simply because of a paragraph? Or are we really looking and saying, oh, no, this book really is offensive and it shouldn't be, a, it isn't appropriate for children under the age of 18? Uh, are, we, we, go ahead, we, Dave. Excuse me, Andy. We, we don't want to get involved in censorship. And, and again, the First Amendment, the freedom of speech, 
is is a it's a given right. I mean, we want to be able to work within the framework of the Constitution. We want to be able to work within the framework of community standards. But again, we to a person, the board cares deeply about the safety of children. And if a book is offensive, and if it has um, inappropriate, age-inappropriate material, if it's explicit. vulgar, lewd, explicit, we we do not want that book in our libraries. I, I can't be more, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Emphatic? Determined, emphatic <laughs> about that. I mean, and I think parents think just because we don't, rush in and grab a book off the shelf that they deem inoffensive. I mean, that book will be back. We want a policy that if a book has that criteria, we want that not only out of the library now, but we want it out for good. So that's what this policy is hopefully going to help enact and enable us to do in the district. And, and we hope our parents recognize that we're on the same team here. We're both going for the same goal. Yeah. Our goal is to protect our children as well, but we want to do it so that it's permanent. Very, very good. Uh, does this policy, you talked about vulgarity and lewdness and things, that you know, the, the, the words or descriptions of things uh, that, that might set it off, and, and most of that being based on, on sexual-type themes. What about violent-type things? If a book describes in, in graphic detail how to decapitate someone or something, it seems like to me that is also something that wouldn't meet community standards. You're exactly right, and that would fall under the nature of explicit graphic or, or graphic violence or explicit mm-hmm. it, it is extreme so yes it would fall under that category but it does have to be reviewed and taken as a whole you you would consider the whole literary piece and and review it from that aspect uh, again i've talked previously i think on your show about how we know people out there making movies will throw in a sex scene simply to get a higher rating because they know it makes the movie more profitable it makes it sell better and that's unnecessary it's yeah. not necessary for the story and i think sometimes this needs to be reviewed on a literary scale as well are is that being done on a literary scale just to make the book more uh, sensational sell better yeah Hmm, interesting. Uh, if if a book is, say I've got 400-page book and 399 pages of it are are acceptable, but there's one page that is not acceptable, that is maybe lewd or, or graphic, uh, where do we proceed on, on books like that? Well, the committee. The committee would look at that and consider how to approach that best. Isn't mm-hmm. that accurate, Dave? Yeah, I mean, this is why we felt like having multiple stakeholders involved in that process would be good because you're going to have community members. You're going to have parents who, who have, again, vested interest in the educational process. And they're going to make that decision. We have librarians that understand that whole literary process. We have administrators who, who, um, you know, are responsible for the educational content of their particular school. We have a school counselor on that committee that can maybe understand that social emotional aspect of what that child is reading, how they're going to process that and they're professional in that regard. So, and the cultural aspect. Yeah. By setting up this committee, Andy, they're, they're going to be responsible. I think it's, it's a pretty good example. You have, you have a book that has one page or one paragraph or one scene, and they are going to make that determination because there'll be parents who will say, get that book out of the school and use one word that was terrible. And there'll be others that say, whoa, wait a second. I mean, this book teaches a great 
principle or this is a very great educational tool for my child. And so it's going to be a difficult process, but I think we've set it up to make this process more successful for the removal of inappropriate books and material out of our libraries. Got to run. Dave, you, Dave, thank you for coming on today. Steve, as always, it's a pleasure. Likewise. It's been the Andy thank Griffin you, Show. Thank you, Andy. Time now for news. Sure.